0: Yeah, it's Kevin of Dever. Bring you the best from all over the world. Number the world. your number one live book every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 9 p.m. East All right, today is going to be very, 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 very awesome. I have a very good friend of mine called Mr. Eric uh, Nori. We met a couple of years ago, but today we are going to be um, discussing his life. It's not going to be a typical uh, podcast. It's not going to be a typical format. It's going to be something else, a typical conversation all through, all through. I have a set of questions uh, for him. Well, we promise to bring you the best from all over the world. And tonight, we again, one more time, are bringing you 11th position among the most unlucky people in the world. This is the first time we are covering the World Book of Records. I hope that uh, maybe someday we'll get uh, uh, the first position uh, <laughs> to onto, onto this list. But we have number 11 and that's okay. Number 11 and that's okay. But uh, great to have you, Mr. Eric. Great to finally have you. I know I've done so many asks and uh, this time you said yes. And I'm really, really honored uh, to have you on the show. Did they give you a medal uh, for being the 11th most unlucky person But you know, when I think about this on second thought, you don't deserve any medals. You just stood there and bad luck happened to you. But tell us about your escapade, Mr. Eric. What's going on with you, man?
1: Well, I've got a little different mindset, David, and thank you for having me today. I I appreciate it. Uh, I've got a little different mindset. I don't feel like I'm the unluckiest man in the world. I feel like I'm the most fortunate and blessed because I've been through so many tragic, experiences and, and can still see the Lord's hand in all of them. So there's two ways of looking at things. And I, I can remember, uh, I I had a a great motivational speaker and, and, uh, that I used to listen to by the name of Zig Ziglar. And he Mm -hmm. said, I would read the newspaper every day and I'd read the Bible every day. And that way I could see what both sides are up to. So sometimes what we see in the media as me being the most unlucky man in the world or the 11th most unlucky man in the world, I don't necessarily a- agree with that or adhere to that. I feel like I'm very blessed and God has taken care of me through some some pretty uh, horrible situations, which were lightning strikes, l- rattlesnake bites, shark attacks uh, and monkey attacks and prison. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did you say lightning? strikes cuz i think i had lightning strike as in number 1 only no Did no three happen? three times
1: three times No, way. By yeah. no
0: way. yeah yeah okay. okay it is said lightning does not strike in the same place twice but can nope. strike the same person 3 times <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly
0: <laughs> wow so we do have rattlesnake bites lightning then you get locked up in the cage um shark bite and you know, when I think about that, uh, I was just thinking about that today, and I'm thinking they shouldn't call it a shark bite because our our concept of a bite is like a mosquito bite. This thing looks like a shark, a shark chew, like the thing was eating you up. I have seen your leg, it didn't look pretty. But um, what I'm really asking today is uh, how you're able to process all of this bad luck. And you've given us a glimpse uh, from the from the way you just talked about this, looking at the Bible and the media and being able to see the difference between how the world perceives events and uh, how the Bible perceives the very same events that the world is looking at. But how have
1: you been uh, able to process these events, uh, Eric? Well, I think the Bible is pretty clear. In, in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it says that we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purposes. and One of the biggest misconceptions, I believe, that Christians have today um, is that is that God's blessings come in the form of material things and great health and a, a wonderful smile on your face all the time. But but sometimes when you look through the lens of God, some of the tougher things in our lives are really what develop our faith. And we we also read in James that we're supposed to consider it joy when we face various trials of many t- kinds, because as we persevere through those trials, it helps to develop our faith. And we also read in Hebrews that without faith, it's impossible to pl- please God. So if we can wake up in the morning and recognize that regardless of what comes at us in any given day or any given time, whether it's good or bad or indifferent, that all of those things God promises are to work together for good. And we have to be able to look at, at the world through that lens to understand that things might seem like, uh, for example, getting attacked by a shark is not a pleasant thing to think about. You're bleeding to bleeding to death. And, and maybe we can talk about that a little bit, but, but you, but through the end of that, I saw God's hand tremendously work through that whole situation. And it's, and it's touched the lives of a lot of people. And so when you read in the scriptures where Paul says, have you bled for the cause of Christ? I can say, well, yeah, I have. Um, It was a little bit of a different context than what he was talking about. But certainly that incident has given me a platform to talk about the Lord in so many different ways. So all of those things going back to the whole idea that that I'm not the world's unluckiest man. I've had some really unique things happen to me that have given me such a great platform to, to honor the Lord with. Mm.
0: All things work together for the good of those uh, who love him. And uh, that, that's, it doesn't get any clearer than that when it comes to the perspective from the scriptures. And uh, it's it's interesting how the Bible, being the source of truth, makes sense of what we all, ordinarily cannot make sense out of. And uh, I, I really appreciate, I really appreciate that perspective from uh, from Romans. But again, now you are in prison. I, I know uh, you, we're going to go through your life really, really quickly, but we're getting to a point where as a believer, you end up in jail. Uh, yeah. You end up uh, in prison for something you have done wrong. And I know being in prison is not something prestigious it's not something you'd be glad to go on your record. I mean, being 11th unluckiest person, as much as we're using the word unlucky, is kind of um, a spotlight to be in, but not prison. And I was just thinking about how anything good can come out of that. And I was reminded of uh, Paul, um, who is uh arrested who is jailed but again for him it's not really something wrong he did he's being persecuted for who he believes it's it's not entirely the same story here right but eric how do you end up in prison just give us a brief uh, background to that kind of that part of your story uh, for the details you care to share uh, sure Comfortable sharing yeah
1: sure it's, well um as with any business, businesses are ruled by government and government has certain laws. And, and in, in our business, we manufactured paint, which is paint that specifically goes on the bottoms of boats. Mm. And it was regulated by the branch of our government known as the EPA, which is the environmental protection agency. And they've got a book of rules that is very, very complex and very hard to understand. And we violated one of those rules, um, in, in the distribution of our paint. And it, it turned out that, um, because we violated and we did do the wrong thing. Um, I don't know if we necessarily knew it was the wrong thing when we were doing it, but, uh, kind of maybe similar to you're speeding down the highway and you weren't really looking at the speedometer and you didn't know but then you look down and realize, uh-oh, we are speeding. And we did we did do the wrong thing and uh, ended up pay, paying a very hefty fine and going to prison for – I went for 90 days. And my brother, who was my partner in the business, went for six months.
0: Wow. And that's where the book comes in, the book that you have or we have on our poster uh, for this particular show, 90 Days in the Sun. And I – I must confess I might have missed the introduction to that book and went into chapter one, two, three, Uh, and maybe we are going to get to the place where why it is 90 days in the sun, not 90 days in prison. Because I believe it's a story, a journal of your time in prison. But 90 days compared to 25 years, or even compared to six months uh, for your brother, is like a honeymoon. Um, and, And I know that statement may not come out right Uh, knowing it's you who was in for three months. But that statement could also maybe just communicate a point here that individuals look at pain differently. We all have different levels of pain and we love to compare our pain with what other people are going through. But just being in your shoes for a while and preparing for this show, I was thinking about some of the things you had to go through before um, Going to jail, and uh, I could th- only think of a few. For example, leaving your family behind uh, or leaving friends behind. Uh, your company probably is not looking good at this point. There's a scandal at this point, even for you as a believer. Your image has been smeared with dirt. You're not sure what you will find when you get out, and that list goes on. But what are some of the anxieties that were going on uh, in your heart? Uh, before you went in? What were some of the what ifs, if I can use that? What if I come back? What if this happens? What was going on in your head at that point?
1: Well, you have to remember that the the, the trial sort of um, and the investigation went on for probably seven or eight years. So it, And it was tremendously expensive. And we had to have lawyers and everything else. And there was always the uncertainty that we'd, le- we'd lose the business, we'd lose our home, we'd lose our life as we knew it. Um, I was a deacon in our church and I had to you know step down and I talked to the deacons they all said I didn't need to step down but I thought it would be a wise thing to do that because i I would never want to bring discredit to christ and even if even knowing the story people who knew me that they knew that it wasn't an egregious horrible thing I didn't think that it was wise uh, the bible talks about avoiding even the appearance of evil and I wouldn't want to defame in any way the name of Christ for people to look at me and say, Well look at this guy and and what he's done. So I stepped down from that and and it was a you know, it was nerve wracking obviously to, to know that you're you're going to spend some time in prison. But going back to the knowing that all things work together for good to those who love God, I had to look at it through that light. And I had to recognize that God was doing something in my heart and in my life and in my mind. That he needed to do, and sometimes you know, going through the fire is not easy. And as God purifies our hearts and purifies our minds, sometimes it takes it takes suffering, it takes trials, it takes things that happen that um, that can cause us to examine our own hearts, and 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 God reveals things to us. And so it was very, it was an interesting opportunity. To really be alone with the Lord, me and Him, and you know all these guys in this in this prison. But it would it turned out after it was all said and done to be a wonderful, wonderful time with the Lord, and it was like a mission trip. It was like a prison ministry that I got to sleep there. Um, so there was a it was nerve wracking. It was very difficult for me and my family. It was very difficult because there's a lot of people that that they don't know me personally, and all they do is read the things that they see and they believe them. In the media, and uh, so it was a it was a very very difficult time.
0: I did not know about the seven or eight years of trial that I'm finding out right now, and I think that's part of the reason why introductions to a book are important, ladies and gentlemen. You don't just jump to chapter one, two, and three. But Eric, thank you so much. Um, for sharing that with us. Um, And I know I'm hoping that those of us who are listening in right now and might be going through a difficult time will be encouraged um, before we go to bed. And uh, why? Because at the point when we're falling asleep, that's when the rest of the world and its troubles begin to just cloud our minds and reasoning. And so I'm hoping that this very prime time for most of us in Africa here uh, would be would just be a point where we're sitting down and meditating on the things that God can do uh, based on the truth that he has already told us from his word. And we have uh, Eric Norris here with us just to encourage us by hearing his story and how he was able to process very, very difficult moments uh, in his life. And I know we began off by thinking of him as the 11th most unlucky person and laughing about it. I could shared with friends today and they were just dying. They could not believe uh, there's even such a record. And uh, Mr. Frank Mato in the chat is asking, does that make you feel proud? Uh, how does that make you feel? And I know uh, you've kind of already answered that. And we're going to get to that uh, part of your story where there's so many things you've achieved in life uh, eric and how you've been able to process success uh and we're going to get into that in the show uh, later on so mr frank Matov, just hang in there hang in there if you have any questions uh for eric please post them in the chat i know he will have time he will have time uh to answer those questions now the book 90 days in the sun is simply a journal of the 90 days that uh, eric spent uh locked away and he journals his thoughts experiences of what was going on and i would like at this point before we take a quick break to look at day number one we going to look at all the 90 days but day number one is one of those moments and i, I looked at it as the honeymoon uh and uh, if i read a book just day one, you'd probably entitle it How to Check into Prison. Eric is checking <laughs> into prison at this point, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, Eric, you're meeting strangers at this point. You're meeting criminal strangers. You're meeting broken people. You two are broken. I mean, for the last eight or seven years, you have been going through trial, literally. And uh, and uh, it's it's been tough. You're also broken at this point. Now, when I read the book, or at least part of it, 90 Days in the Sun, I, I got a sense that you were not rubbing your sorrow onto other people. You had hope. You, you were happy cleaning the floor. You were happy with the bed. <laughs> it, it was kind of better than you expected. And uh, here's the other truth, that your fellow inmates had similar facilities. I mean, you shared rooms and uh, and, and bathrooms, but they never felt the same way. I'm not saying all of them, but some of them definitely never felt the same way about, about being in prison. Maybe because some of them were to spend 25 years, 16. But do you know, do you know what is it that uh, just got you hopeful, um, even in a very, very uncertain time? I don't think your heart was set in the same way you'd be set in checking into a vacation uh, hotel or or something, but there's a sense in which you had hope, and I can't put a finger to it. What is it that kept you hopeful through these very difficult 90 days?
1: Well, the short answer is is Christ, and that's why the name of the book is 90 Days in the Sun. It's not S-U-N, it's S-O-N, and that's Mm -hmm. meaning 90 days in the sun of God. And um, I went in to that prison, knowing that God would not allow me to go through something that I wasn't supposed to. And I knew that there were a lot of hurt and broken, broken people there. And so I really thought about he, allowing the light of Christ to shine through me. And we prayed that with my family, Lord, help me to be a light in a dark place. I know that I know that you love me as a, as a heavenly father loves, can't you, I couldn't be loved any more than I'm loved. And I know that you wouldn't allow me to go through this if you didn't think I was strong enough to do it. And Lord, help me to lead other people to you. Help me to be your, your mouth, your ears, your hands here in this, in this place. And, you know, as far as it being better than I expected, um, I've been on a lot of mission trips all over the world and I've slept on. I've slept in really, really horrible, not so comfortable, hot, sticky, sweaty places. And I've been in very nice hotels that are very nice. But like like Paul, he said that I, I've had an abundance of things and I've had nothing and I've learned to be content in both. And with Christ, we can be content in any situation that we're in if we allow the Holy Spirit to, to guide our lives. And in this, and in this particular case, Um, I was very prayerful going in that that the Lord was at work and I knew that he had me there for a purpose and that all things have a purpose in them if we're we're walking with Christ. Well, Mr. Eric,
0: thank you once again for being with us on the show. Um, We've been looking forward to this, really been looking forward to this. But let me just go back a little bit to Frank's question. About being unlucky, and how that makes you feel, and I think that's one question you get when people look at your leg. Um, I've seen the some pictures of, of that wound uh, before before they they patched it up, and people begin to ask the question, "Man, what happened? What happened? Um, how?" I'm sure you got many of those questions while uh, you were locked up, but how how don't you get tired of answering such questions, Mr. Eric?
1: Well, it's interesting you, <clears throat> excuse me, you say that because when I was attacked by the shark, I'll give you the very condensed version of it, which is I'll skip all the details other than the fact that imagine yourself bleeding to death on the front of the boat, heading heading toward a small island where there's a clinic, but you know that they don't have the medical attention that you need. And you're pretty convinced in your mind that you are going to die because the color of your skin is turning such that would indicate that you're almost out of blood. And then the peace of God came over me. And it was like Christ put his hand on my head and said, Eric, my peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give unto you. Not as the world gives do I give unto you. Don't let your heart be troubled and don't be afraid. Ever since you were in your mother's womb, I've held you in my hand and I have you now and you have to learn to trust me more. And I began to praise God through that moment in time because in Philippians chapter four verse eight, it talks about the peace of God which passes all understanding. And that's exactly what I experienced in that moment when that shark attacked me was the peace of God that passes all understanding because it doesn't make sense to be bleeding to death on the front of a boat after being attacked by a shark and experience the greatest peace. And, and how that translated, when people look at my leg and ask me questions about my leg, I love the fact that they ask me what happened because it allows me to share what Christ did. So many people are scared are, are terrified to die. And, and what, what the Lord showed me right there is that he, is, he has conquered death. And he gave me peace over that death. And then fast forwarding to now I'm in prison— and this scar on my leg, most guys in prison don't really want to hear about Jesus. Well, that's not true. Some some do, but there's a lot that don't. And this this crazy shark bite on my leg opened the door to talk about and communicate Jesus and his peace and his love and his kindness and his faithfulness and his grace with so many people that would otherwise not listen because everybody wants to hear the story about a shark attacking your leg so it really opened the door it opened the door to allow me to speak freely about what god did and nobody can take away your testimony from you your testimony is your testimony god did amazing things in my life through that and i felt the peace of god and understood the peace of god on a much higher level had i not got to experience that i would never be able to explain it the way that i am
0: you know in listening to you talking about the shock attack i I wish I had the counter to just count how many times you have mentioned God, and a typical story would go differently. Someone would tell you, "Oh, uh, I was maybe half way under water, and this thing comes at me, and I look at it, and it takes my leg, and I fight back, and and you'd hear so many eyes, 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 but I I kept hearing God, 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 and that's that's I think." Just some example for us to pick from, for those of us who are listening, I know we all have scars, we all have very difficult stories of what has happened in the past, it may not be a shock, it might be something else, it might be a loss of a loved one, and when someone asks you what happened, and I know there is pain in, in, in those stories, there is this pain behind those scars. But I think we can see God in each of those particular moments in our lives. And, and let's let's preach Christ you know, with those that uh, are around us, those who ask us even the difficult questions. Let's see Christ in all that he is doing. And maybe right now you're going through that very difficult moment. I don't want to say look out for where Christ is because he is all over. Just go to his word, and maybe you'll be able to find exactly what this means. He says, all things work together for the good of those who love him. Eric, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate that. Now, I'm looking at your book right now. I'm on page five. And uh, I want to read a portion here. The last paragraph in this, in this, uh, on page five, says, you, 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 this is, I think, day number, this is day number two in prison. Um, and, and you, and you said, Lord, I pray. Uh, let me start from the evening. It says, my evening devotion was Acts chapter one, verse eight, that says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And you wrote this and said, Lord, I pray that, I pray for your indwelling power. Father, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Lord, make me a worker. Here I am. Send me send me to share the richness of your love and mercy to those you have called according to your will thank you lord for this trial thank you father for protecting my family thank you for peace thank you for a good night's sleep this is day number two remember and then you put and say lord fill me up with your strength and let me be an instrument of your righteousness this is day number two out of ninety has your prison story been of any impact to other people in your life in any way? Maybe in those 90 days, we may not be able to read the whole book and go through all of it, but are there any testimonies of how these 90 days have changed the lives of other people? And maybe you're the testimony, but is there any testimonies from the 90 days? Let's just cut to the chest, Mr. Eric.
1: Absolutely, I mean, there was a, there was a gentleman um, that I met who came in and he was sentenced to three years and he was on drugs and he was on painkillers and, and he was going through withdrawal and he was, I was the first person that he met when he was, when he came in and uh, he came to know Christ. We studied the Bible together. Um, we prayed together. And three years later when he got out, he called me and he thanked me. And he said that meeting me in that prison helped him to come to know Christ and it's completely changed his life. And uh, he just started crying and thanked me. And uh, it, it just was awesome. And there were, there were countless stories like that in prison. And I carried my Bible under my arm everywhere I went, everywhere I walked, everywhere I went, I had the Bible under my arm. And uh, it was incredible. There were so many wonderful, incredible things. There's so many hurting people in this world that don't understand that God is not a God of of rules that's trying to trying to manipulate your life into being this um, you know rigid person that follows all the rules. He loves you, and he wants to he wants to give you his his grace and his wisdom and his love and his mercy and his kindness and teach you to walk in the way of peace and light. And it's, it's an incredible thing. But you know, the, the people have been so deceived that they, they don't understand that God is a God of love and mercy. They think he's a God that wants to squish them like a bug for some reason.
0: I mean, thinking about that gentleman um, who called and says, thank you, because it's you I met first. I mean, that's the definition of being the light into this world, that they see Christ in us. And I I was just thinking God had this gentleman in mind, um, even when he sent him to prison. And maybe, not that he said, not that God said, but I want to believe that he sends you prepares you in time to receive him so you can share this beautiful good news uh, with him and uh, I really really appreciate um, the fact that you are able to share all of that with us and that people were touched that their lives were moved uh, to live differently um, and and so thank you thank you so much let's go to day number three uh, mr. Eric if you don't mind so there is this huge guy you call you call him hard dude, in courts uh, that did not want to talk to you. I mean, we may assume that while you entered in there, everyone is just looking forward to talk about the shark attack and things like that, and you're getting a, an awesome welcome. But there's a different guy here who does not want to know. He doesn't want to talk to you. And I, and I believe you can expect that from prison. But you said, and I quote, I think he hates me. He doesn't even know me. And you know that we do that a lot. We profile people and so we won't even talk to them. Um, that same guy you met in the laundry room, um, you, you told him that the room was closed for cleaning and, and he yelled at you. And you know, this coming Friday here on Cabin Devils, we're going to be talking about a question. And the question we're going to be asking is Is there such a thing as mind your own spiritual business? Now, I'm picking all of this from the fact that here's a dude guy, a dude who does not want to listen to you, he doesn't want to talk to you. Then you meet him in the laundry room and you correct him and you say, you know what, guy, the laundry room is closed for cleaning and he yells at you. And the question us Christians are asking on Friday is, is there such a thing as mind your own spiritual business? And that live episode will address a couple of things. And one thing it's going to address this coming Friday is should we, how can we accept correction from people, especially fellow believers? And these are believers we are not even related to. And is there, let me ask a question, is there any lesson that uh, you would want to just share with us about correcting other people. And I know in the book you wrote and you said you allowed him to vent, you allowed him to speak out his mind. And uh, let me just throw in another piece of uh, information. here: you're very good friends with Brian. And uh, I wish Brian was here though. And how has giving others permission to correct you been helpful in your growth as a believer? Because I know sometimes it can be rough sometimes it can be difficult to allow others to correct you. But anything you want to share with us about the humility in giving permission to people to correct you in your life? And I'm thinking about people like Nathan and David from Second Samuel. Eric.
1: Absolutely. I think that, I think that number one, um, Dr. John Norris, who I think you had on your show, gave me a book one time that was called Unoffendable. And as Christians, we should really learn how to be unoffendable. And um, first of all, there's going to be people that say all kinds of hurtful things about us. And we can take offense to that. Um, and some people would say, well, rightfully so. Um, but in other cases, in, in cases of, uh, of some type of relationship that you give people permission to help you become a better man or a better woman and you say as a christian if i'm doing something that's offensive or rude or you know any number of different things that doesn't line up with god's word i have given people in my life permission to tell me hey eric you know i really think that you're out of line here and i have to also position my heart to be receptive of that and not resistant and become offended. Um, all of us know that we're not perfect. There's not one single perfect person walking the face of this planet right now. The only perfect one that was ever here is Jesus. And we're striving to be like Christ, but we have a lot of things in our lives that we need to work on. And so we should be open and receptive to cr- constructive criticism and and try to be as non offendable as possible because if we're taking offense to everything that everyone's saying and we find ourselves offended all the time and and bitter all the time and feeling depressed because somebody said this or somebody said that, we have to be open to make changes. Some things people will say about you are wrong and they could be perceived as offensive, but the truth is we know who we are as people and nobody can control us by saying what they think that we are. I mean, somebody could say they think I'm a chicken, but that no more makes me a chicken than a, anything else. So you, you, have to, you have to take constructive criticism from your brothers and sisters in Christ and not be offended by it. And then you can't be offended by, by criticism or, or, or um, things from, from others, especially that aren't Christians
0: hmm it's 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 interesting that you you measure it's difficult first of all not just interesting but it's, it is difficult and i'm sure even when david uh had the statement you are the man that must have been that must have been very very difficult and, and just thinking about david um i've been studying second samuel about maybe uh last week actually going through it with a quiet time and i i that's where that topic came from for us to discuss this coming Friday um, there's a way in which David was very quick to to judge the man who uh, took the neighbor's eew lamp and he, he he gave him a punishment actually and he says as long as the Lord leaves, this man needs to and he went on with his judgment and and sometimes as believers we are quick to evaluate events and actions and uh, what the other believer should have done but it's more difficult when that same evaluation comes our way when the person talking to you says you are the man you're the man and of course david looking at uh, psalm 51 reacted in a very godly way in going before god with repentance and uh, remorse and, and regret for what he had done and we see repentance we see restoration with david and i think that should be our concern even as we approach people that the goal is restoration the goal is not that we may be proved to be right but the goal is that they might be restored Christ. That's just a quick one on day number three uh, for us to think about. Um, Now, coming to almost coming to the end of our show, we have about maybe 14 minutes uh, before we come uh, to the end. And I I want to ask one last question about prison. Um, And then I'll I'll, I'll pick up from from there and ask Terry's question that I see in the chat here. Um, This is a question on race, this is a question on racism. On day number five, you you talked about, uh, in your book, uh, 90 Days in the Sun, you talked about a Spanish-speaking group of inmates that you met in there. You talked about the meals that they were able to make uh, almost with nothing. And you said, and I quote, they like me because I speak Spanish. Now, a few days ago, I was flattered um Uh, when you say to me that you set your audio Bible to an African accent because it reminds me, it reminds you of me. And I think, sometimes I think I sound like you and then you tell me I have an accent. But (laughs) it's so true that uh, people do not know who you are until you start to speak. I got a privilege of visiting, um, I think, Dr. Uh, Norris's uh, clinic and everyone was asking me, where are you from? Where are you from? Uh, Because I began to speak. And... uh, It's interesting how in a negative way, in other parts of the world, people can be divided over language. People can be divided over skin color. People can be divided over accent, over height, over weight. And uh, and the story goes on. And it's interesting that sometimes it's Christians who find themselves in these battles. And even here in Uganda, you can tell when someone is looking at another from a different tribe, uh, I've heard a very difficult statements that I cannot even repeat among us Africans uh, when we realize that someone is not, in quotes, my people. But how have you been able to deal with this stuff? This, this, is, this is stuff that has been happening in the U.S. for a while. I mean, thinking about your previous elections, this was all over with the hashtag Black Lives Matter. And... And I know that language is an issue. I know skin color can be an issue. I know accent can be an issue, weight, height. How have you been able to deal with these things,
1: Eric? You know, it's so interesting because I, I really don't feel like that racism against language or color or creed is, is really the, the root cause. I think it's a battle of good versus evil. And there's good people on this earth and there's people that, that aren't good and there's people that are evil. And unfortunately, the hard part and the hard reality pill to swallow is if you don't have Christ as the center of your life and if you don't have the Holy Spirit, who do you have and who are you aligned with? So if you're not for Christ, who are you for? And so that whole idea of racism to me is not about black or white or yellow or, or or any other color or creed or language. It's about not having the love of God in your heart toward another human being and not being compassionate and not being sympathetic and not being kind and generous and loving and people people try to put this placard of racism on it. But really to me, it's either you're good and you're kind and you're filled with God's love or you're not. And there lies the tension because what, what does evil have to do with good? Nothing. And there's the division. And that's my opinion. Um, I find that, that the, the root cause of racism is, is people, that aren't good and people that are racist in, in that way, they're, they're not. The love of God that we have in our hearts. It doesn't matter what color people are or what race they are, or what language they speak. We either have the love of God in us and we're extending that towards others or we don't. And that's, that's what I have to say about that. David.
0: Hmm. That's 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 neat, really. That's really neat. And I think that is a call for us to show the love of God uh, to other people, no matter what color, no matter what height. And uh, we should be different, honestly, as uh, as believers. And I think we can be. We can be. And I know most of us listening in here don't even think about these things. why? Because good comes naturally because of the Christ. Uh, that is in us. If you have experienced in any way any sort of uh, ridicule, any sort of discrimination uh, because of your tribe, race, uh, be encouraged that it's not a matter of where you come from. It's a matter of someone not being good to you. And the first question maybe you could be asking is do they know Christ? If they are rude to you, ask if they know Christ and then show them the love of God. We want to summarize your book Mr. Eric and all your experiences both lucky and unlucky depending on how you look at it and here comes in Mr. Terry's question imagine that during i imagine that during all these times you endured so much uh, which of these experiences tested your faith to the point of wanting and in quote end your relationship with the lord not that you did end the relationship with the lord but just it, it just it tested you to that point where it was difficult. Which of your experiences was the most difficult,
1: Eric? Uh, you know, I can't say that there was any experience that I have ever had that wanted me to end my relationship with the Lord. Um, I, I, I can't say that there's there's definitely times that I've questioned, and there's definitely times that I've doubted, but I can't say that there was ever a time where I wanted to end my relationship with the Lord. Um, as far as, as far as one of the, I mean, as far as the most difficult, I think the most difficult, quite honestly, is, is, uh, really selling my company, which happened last year in December, and then, and then trying to figure out where it is the Lord wants me to go. I mean, that's, that's, that's been, believe it or not, more difficult than, than all of the trials that I've been through. And it's not really a trial, it's a great blessing, but it's kind of flipped my mind because I'm you know, in a place where I've just sold my business that I was at for 27 years. And now I have to figure out where it is the Lord wants me to go and what he ma- wants me to do. And that's that's been very difficult. Hmm.
0: Wow, that's, I did not think that was the most difficult situation you've gone through. And I think it's as recent as last year, and uh, yeah, that 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 can be difficult to try and figure out exactly what do you want me to do, Lord? What do you want me to do, Lord? And the day you figure that out, would like to have you back on the show because I believe most of us are trying to answer that question: um, What is my next step? What is my next step, Lord? What do you want me to do? Well, we're coming to the end of our time here, and uh, it's uh, it's coming to ten, about six minutes to ten, and maybe let me take one more question uh mr eric if you don't mind and this is the question on hard work i've interacted with you before um and you have some very cool toys uh, adult toys and i'm talking about a very beautiful home beautiful family and uh, comfortable life uh, if you have to think about it in relation to some very difficult uh, lives that others have lived and uh, I personally like to collect toys. I like to collect toys specifically from Apple. And But as a younger man, uh, I used to ask my dad for money. I used to ask my dad for toys. But then as one begins to grow up, they begin to work for those toys. And uh, I did interact with you once, and I asked you the question. I asked, how do you go to work with all these toys? I mean, and you, and you, and you say to me, David, if you don't go to work, you will not be able to keep the toys. How? What, what, what's your What's your philosophy on work? For 27 years, you've been at a business started with your brother to make paint. It became very, very, very successful, and uh, one can only assume that you've really worked hard your whole life. But please, just just give us a glimpse of how you think about work. When we're beginning this show, you did mention that you look at things differently, but we do have a lot of young businessmen here, businesswomen here, uh, ladies and gentlemen, who I would consider starting out in life and and wanting to be successful. But I want to know, I want to believe 100% that hard work is at the core of some of those goals.
1: But how do you view work, Mr. Eric? Well, I mean, work is obviously extremely important, and the Bible's clear, and it tells us that we're to work as we're working unto the Lord. And if you can imagine yourself working for Jesus, how hard would you work and how much integrity would you do it with? And I think that, you know, for the young people out there that are that are listening and wanting to have a successful business and have have wealth and have have things just remember that it's not the wealth and the things that give you joy it's it's christ that gives you joy and if you can use your wealth and if you can use your things to honor god with and you can do things that honor god with them and you can take people places and do things that they couldn't otherwise do it's a wonderful thing um but hard work is 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 definitely important for us to do as christians it's a great testimony I mean, we certainly, uh, you don't wanna be a lazy, you don't wanna be a lazy person. You wanna work hard and uh, I think God honors our hard work and I think that God honors us when we give and God has blessed me in tremendous ways and, and God has given me the ability to give, give to others. And uh, if, we can, if we can maintain that mindset that it's not just all for us, It's for us to share, and he continues to bless it.
0: Hmm. You know, I'm amazed at how quickly that verse comes to your mind, work not as unto men, but as unto the Lord. And I think that's the definition really of excellence, uh, doing your best. And so thank you so much, Eric, for bringing that to our members uh, once again this evening. And uh, you did bring out something very interesting, enough for us to share not just to accumulate, but to be able to bless others uh, as well. Well, we're coming to the end of our show tonight. And my last question for you, Mr. Eric, um, is one of the most difficult ones that you have mentioned, a trial in in trying to find out what the next step is going to be. But what are you thinking? Are there options? Is there something you're thinking about doing um, in the next couple of years now that your business is sold? I know you've served in church before. You've led the men's group uh, but yeah, what are you looking forward to? Which areas are you praying? Maybe which continent are you praying about uh, going to to serve as a missionary?
1: <laughs> well, to be honest, to be honest with you, David, uh, I'm, what I'm learning, what I'm learning is to walk in what I call unforced rhythms of grace, and and allowing the Lord to lead me on a daily basis because every day God has something for us, whether we're in the line at the grocery store or whether we're walking the docks where the boats are that people are there's people all over from everywhere that you can think of that need Christ and need to know his love so if we can operate on a daily basis without any kind of without any kind of forced Uh, Rhythm. I think the unforced rhythms of grace, God wants us to walk in his grace and in his love on a daily basis. And sometimes we strive so hard to perform for God. He's not looking for a performance from us. He's looking for us to walk by the power of his Holy Spirit in these unforced rhythms of grace, walking through our day, an ordinary day with God is not ordinary an ordinary day with god is extraordinary and when we can when we can live every day in that extraordinary gift and grace that god gives us you'll see god in everything that you're doing and i my hope is that my life will resemble that as i walk in his grace and that's kind of where my mindset is right now i don't know what you have for me For two weeks from now, Lord, but I know what you have for me right now, and it's to walk in your love and your grace and your kindness and try to radiate and spread that light to as many people as I can as I go. And when I fail, which I will, I know that you have forgiven me and I know that your grace is sufficient and your power is made perfect in my weakness and I can I can continue to walk in you all the days of my life.
0: Wow. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is really the summary of everything we've been looking at tonight. That is not a matter of luck or or being unlucky. I was going to say a matter of luck and unlucky. It's not a matter of, uh, it's a grand plan that God has orchestrated in our lives to take place. And we can't figure that out. We cannot, we cannot be able to understand the infinite mind of God. But one thing that is very, very clear is the next step that he wants us to take. And uh, I, I really, really appreciate our time here. And, and so it, it's interesting that uh, we look at these things now, not knowing what tomorrow uh, will bring. And yet, if we're willing to live in his grace and obedience, everything will make sense. The world will look and say, hey, that's the most unlucky person, or that's the luckiest person. It's not luck. It's a grand plan. It's a grand plan. God is doing something. We will not be able to figure out what it's going to be like in the next 10 years, in the next one year or five years, but we know what we ought to be doing when we see an unbeliever. When we see someone in the line at the grocery store waiting in line, we know exactly what to do. Ladies and gentlemen, let's do what we ought to do. Let's be that light that shines to all men, that they may see our good deeds and praise our Father. Who is in heaven, Eric? As we come to the end of our show, is there anything else you'd like to share with us? Maybe something we missed, something I never asked. Um,
1: anything? I don't think so. I think we could. I think it would be great to pray and ask God for His blessing mm. over everybody that's listening and your and your family. So, if you don't mind, I'll pray and we can end it that way. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your prayers, Mister Eric. Lord, we just thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace, your kindness, your faithfulness in our lives. We, we pray that all those that are listening now would be blessed, that you would bless them, Lord, and draw them closer to you. And Lord, we just pray as, as uh, David and his family follow you by faith that you'd bless them. And Lord, thank you for this opportunity to share your hope with the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, let me remind you before
0: you go to click the follow button on here on Podbin to follow Cabin Devils. But check out CabinDevils.com. The site is done and we are ready to receive you. At the bottom of that page is an option for you to click and pray with someone or just to be able to talk to someone. Uh, All those links are available if you like to take advantage. But even on that side, one of the things I would like you to do is uh, when you visit Cabin Devils is give us your email address so we can be able to post for you updates of uh, what's taking place in the world of Cabin Devils. Just keep, kindly subscribe with your email address um, yeah, on cabindevils.com. But that's where all our podcasts will be posted. The replays will be posted on cabindevils.com and many more other features are coming up on com, Guys, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Really, really appreciate you. Have a good night. May God bless you. We hope to see you again next week. If you're going to listen to a podcast before you go to, you bed,
1: got a- you go to bed,
0: you can as well grow in your brain, <laughs> Cabin Devils,
1: your number one live podcast.
0: Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 9 p.m. East African time.